Hello guys and welcome back to the Back Pain Podcast episode 109. Let's take it away. Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science and give you all the top tips for living pain free. So if you're driving to work, tidy in the house or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. So guys, welcome back to the Back Pain Podcast. My name is Rob Bevan. I'm your host today. This is episode 109 and today we're talking about a slightly different or rarer cause of what a patient thought was sciatica. Now, there are lots of different things that can cause what patients think is sciatica. And our job as healthcare professionals is to tell you exactly what it is, what it's not, when actually you do have sciatica, if you don't have sciatica, and then what you need to do about it. So this chap um, actually gave me permission to talk about his stories. He had never heard about this before. Um, And I said, would you mind if I um, presented your case, if you will, on our our podcast? And he said, yeah, you know, have at it, effectively. So I've got his permission to, to talk about him, although obviously I'm not going to name him by name. But... This chap is a 65-year-old male who came to see me with pain in both of his calves, i.e. the lower half of his leg, which he had noticed when he was walking. And this pain kind of built up over longer periods of walking, usually after around anywhere between 100, 150, 250 metres. And this pain usually stopped when he rested. So he'd regularly walk his dog around a park, and when he felt the pain, he'd sit down on a park bench, and the pain would go away pretty quickly, and then he'd start walking again, but it would then just gradually start to build up over time. So now, obviously, when we see a patient with pain into both of his legs, there are a few things which immediately we start to think about as healthcare professionals. Now, firstly, in a patient of this age, my one of my first thoughts is always what we call spinal stenosis, lumbar spinal stenosis, which is an episode that we've a condition we've dedicated lots of episodes to previously. And this is where there are some age-related changes which cause some narrowing of the spinal canal, which can lead to some of the nerves being a bit irritated. And when these nerves get a bit squished or a bit irritated, the pain that people describe is known as neurogenic claudication. And this will give you sciatica or pain down into the legs. However, this chap didn't have lumbar spinal stenosis. He had another condition, which was actually more to do with the blood supply to his legs rather than his nerves. And his condition is what's known as intermittent or intermittent claudication or peripheral arterial disease, which is where walking or when we're walking and the muscles in the legs require more blood, they aren't able to get it. Patients will often describe a cramping or a burning type pain in the calves and occasionally in the thighs or in the hamstrings. So what are the clues that this chap told me that led me to think that his pain wasn't necessarily coming from his back? Well, firstly, he had had quite a lot of vascular risk factors, meaning factors that had increased his chances of having problems with his blood flow. Firstly, he was diabetic. He had smoked on and off for 40 years, which although he had recently stopped in the last 12 months, he was also overweight and he admitted he'd never really been into exercising besides walking his dog. He was also over 60, which again also increases his risk factor. It is quite rare for younger people to have intermittent claudication. Also, from what he told us about his pain, as I said, there are many conditions that we previously mentioned that can cause pain to both your legs when walking, sciatica, nerve root entrapment, spinal stenosis, and many others. So what can we garner from his pain to lean one way or the other to make that important clinical decision? Well, pain from the nerve root, the spine, or spinal stenosis is classic described, classically described as a sharp, lancating type pain down the back of the leg, sometimes all the way down to the foot, People might get paresthesia, pins and needles, numbness. And this pain, yes, can come on with walking and again is often relieved by rest. But what for me classically differentiates a vascular claudication from a nerve pain is the type and location of the pain. Patients will describe more of a burning tightness or a cramping of those affected muscles, 
which is relieved very quickly by rest, be that simply by stopping walking. Whereas the pain from spinal stenosis, whilst it's relieved by rest, is classically position, positional, i.e. bending forward, sitting down to a chair, touching your toes will, will relieve these symptoms, whereas sometimes simply standing won't. Patients with lumbar, lumbar spinal stenosis will often notice a change when walking with a shopping trolley or no pain when they're cycling due to the leaning forwards position, which opens up the spine a bit and can take some pressure off those irritated nerves. Patients with a, a vascular claudication won't notice a relief in these positions, so they'll, whatever, whatever activity that requires blood flow to the legs can provoke the pain, be that walking, cycling, running, jumping, whatever it might be. Now, this chap had noticed no real change when walking with a shopping trolley. Um, it was actually worse with more intense activities, such as walking up a hill, and he openly said he hadn't ridden a bike in 40 years, so he wouldn't know if that actually made a difference or not. Now, in some patients, you can actually get them to do a bike test where you get them to walk and, and brings on their pain, and you get them to cycle and see if that either doesn't or does bring on the pain, and that can, again, lead you one way or the other. So when I examined him, I found it quite hard to provoke his pain. Now, as healthcare professionals, what we're trying to do is provoke the pain, try and find out where it's coming from, see what aggravates it, see what makes it better. But no movements of his spine, hips, knees, legs, when in the room, provoked any of his pain. The only thing that started to bring it on was getting him to leave the clinic and do some brisk walking up and down the road outside. And on the return to the clinic, around 100, 200 metres later, he started noticing some of his symptoms. The other thing we noticed in the exam was that his blood pressure was quite high at the time, 150 over 100. And the GP, or he'd said the GP had spoken with him about this before and he was currently on some tablets. So the fact he was on some medication already for his GP, for his blood pressure and it was still slightly high or still quite high, again, raises the suspicion to a more vascular or blood cause to his pain. The other test we often do here is check the pulses in his legs, which were present. Um, you know, they weren't absent, which if they were absent, again, is a, is a bit more of a, a serious indicator. And we can also measure the systolic or the blood pressure in his arms and compare it to the pressure in his legs. By comparing these two, we can gather what's known as an ankle brachial pressure index. Ankle being obviously the, the leg and brachial being in the arm. And this compares the pressure in the arteries in his arms compared to his leg. Now, if there was a significant reduction in pressure in the leg, there's always going to be slightly lower in the leg anyway. But if there's a significant reduction, it means there's a difference in that blood flow. We can then perform the calculation or perform a calculation and anything under 1 or 0.9 increases the suspicion of an arterial disease. In clinic, this patient, we have a Doppler in clinic, and this patient, it was measured at 0.9, so again, this backed up our suspicions. This can also be done after exercise as well, if you're not quite getting the, the results that you, you think it might be. So with his history of cramping leg pain when walking, and the findings that we've mentioned, there wasn't much more that I right now can do for him in the clinic. And we had this discussion, and I explained my thought process, and I kind of told him that, yes, we need to refer him back to his GP for some further management investigation. So why is this important? Well, Firstly, patients with a vascular claudication have a much higher risk factor of having an acute vascular episode, such as a heart attack, a stroke or a DVT, hence the need for referral to his GP. So how will the GP manage it? Well, in the first instance, we often just need to reduce his risk factors for having this. So helping to understand the risks of smoking, getting his diabetes and blood pressure under control, which might be through some medication from the GP, but also helping him understand the importance of diet and exercise and helping to lose a little bit of weight, all of which will make a big difference here. Now, if the symptoms are very severe um, and the ankle brachial pressure index or ankle brachial pressure ratio is, is very, very low, then we can refer him to a vascular surgeon for some second opinions. And there are some surgical options there as well if other options have been exhausted. So this lovely chap went along to his GP and discussed his options further. His cholesterol and his blood pressure medication was changed. And then we also encouraged him to do lots of exercise. What we encouraged to do is 
allow him to exercise to the point of maximal pain at least three times a week. We also helped him with his diet and gave him some basic understanding around diet. And I think his GP might have also referred him to a dietitian as well to help understand some diabetic management of diabetes. Now, although these changes can take quite a while to take hold when we're talking about diet and exercise, I do have confidence this will make a big difference to his symptoms. And he's fully on board. The walking was having a severe impact on his life. You know, he just wanted to walk his dog. So not being able to do that was having a, a big, a big impact. He wasn't working anymore, so he hadn't noticed that there was a big change in working conditions. But, you know, we all want to be, be able to simply walk our dog. So it's really important to get this managed, to get this managed. And obviously having another vascular episode can be potentially very, very serious, if not fatal. So getting those risk factors down as well is really, really important. So that for me covers... A slightly rarer cause, again, one we have to stay alert for as healthcare professionals. I say rare. We do see quite a lot of cases like this. Um, the incidence is quite high in the UK population. Um, but it's a, a condition which lots of patients will think is sciatica. People think they've got a, a cramp in their leg or they might have even pulled a muscle sometimes. So it's really important to stay alert for these. So hopefully that gives you some indication of things that we're looking for when we're trying to rule in or rule out this condition, what we're looking for with sciatica, and then what to do about it if you have these. So if you're suspicious that you might have a, a vascular claudication or peripheral arterial disease, then please go and see someone who knows what they're talking about, another healthcare professional um, who can run some of the tests like I did with this chap and then really get it under control if, it, if it's out of control, if, if, if your symptoms are really, really bad. So I hope that's been enlightening for you. Always reach out if you've got any questions for us. And if you are struggling and you know someone who, or if you're struggling and you want someone to help with your back pain or any symptoms you're a bit worried about, you can get in contact us for a virtual consultation um, via hello at the Back Pain Podcast or reach out to us on Instagram. Or you can head on over to our website, thebackpainpodcast.com, where we have a list of recommended practitioners who are tried and tested by us to ensure that you get the very best management for your back pain, the best, the best evidence-based management for your back pain to really get you back on the right track to recovery. But that's it from me. I've been Rob Evan. This has been the Back Pain Podcast, episode 109. Can't wait to catch you on the next episode. Over and out.